Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Loving You Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Ken Adewale, author of The Black Girl's Side of Being Blissfully Feminine, as well as founder of The Loving You Lifestyle. I am very excited because I'm here today with Dr. Joe Court. Did I pronounce your name correctly? You did, yes. Great. <laughs> and he is author of Is My Husband Gay, Straight, or Bi? And I'm really excited to be speaking to you about your book because it was, for me as a straight woman, it was very provocative and a little bit difficult to digest. Honestly, some of the information initially I kind of rejected, like, what is Dr. Joe Court talking about? Um, but, <laughs> it. but it's very interesting. And as a woman who I'm a life coach, and I specifically deal with a, a lot of women who have relationship issues, are marriage-minded, and I have had over the years women come to me with the question, like, I think my husband is gay. And so that's one of the reasons why I even picked up your book so that I can become a little bit more knowledgeable about the subject. But before we dive into our conversation, can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yep, I've been a therapist for 34 years in May and uh, mostly in the beginning specialized in um, sexual abuse and sexual trauma and particularly with men, but women too, and then couples therapy. And I also was a specialist in sex addiction treatment, which I no longer do. And, and actually to me, I find it quite harmful and abusive as a model. I, I have since become a sex therapist. So people get that confused. If you're a sex addiction therapist, you're in no way a sex therapist. Uh, there was no training and continues to be no sexual health training in the sex addiction model. So I went outside to get it. And when I did, I realized uh, how much I didn't know and how much uh, disservice I was doing to my clients and blind spots that I had. So I became a sex therapist. And in that, I was able to help somebody when they were uh, uh, had healed their trauma or their abuse. Then I was able to help them find their own sexual health. And it's not that I don't believe that people don't have sexual problems like out of control experiences and problematic, but we now call it out of control sexual behavior. We don't call it sex addiction anymore. Okay, okay. Um, again, I'll admit when I first started reading your book, I, I had immediate reservations as a straight woman. Love it. Because matter of fact, we had a conversation on Facebook about uh, this man who made a post saying that he likes to engage in sexual activities with men, but he wasn't gay. And I'm just like, okay, well, in what world are you not gay? If you're doing those things, <laughs> if you're participating in, in that type of behavior. And I had some difficulties kind of digesting some of the definitions for what is, is gay. And, and what, and what I want to do for the readers is I actually want to read over um, some of the, the, just a little bit of your book, of what I, what I read in the very beginning, uh, uh, just a small excerpt so that they can kind of get an idea 
as to what it is that I'm even talking about. So I'm going to go to the preface and read. So um, it starts out in the preface, your husband probably isn't gay. So Jennifer can't believe it. Jeff married and pregnant. She discovers that her husband has been meeting Brad for sex. When confronted, Tom doesn't deny it, but he insists it's just a quote-unquote thing and he isn't gay. Jennifer is sure her marriage can't survive, but things are not as bad as she fears. After seeing me for therapy, Tom and Jennifer come to understand that even though some of Tom's sexual behavior is gay, his sexual orientation is straight. His compulsion to have sex with men is rooted in the abuse he suffered as a boy from a school coach. Therapy gives him relief. Tom and Jennifer are able to repair the relationship, reestablish trust, and save their marriage. Um, and then there goes on to another story. So I, I find that very interesting. And so my my very next question to you is, if if a man is engaging in that kind of sexual behavior and he isn't gay, then what makes a man gay? That's a great question. First, let me just say one thing I always say, and that is, if a straight man has one non-straight thought, he's, he's um, stigmatized. When a woman has one non-straight thought, she's fetishized. So when women do it, like I was at a dinner party once and this guy at, the, at a table, at our like nicely set table and everything, he says, Joe Court, if a guy puts a penis in his mouth or in his anus, he's gay. And he goes back to eating. And I said, I put my fork down. I said, then what do you call it when a woman has sex with another woman? And I went back to eating. And he said, I call that college. And the whole table laughed. And so the idea is that when women do it, we don't say she's a latent lesbian, she's bisexual, she doesn't really know she's lesbian. We don't. We just give her window of permission that, you know, she's just exploring and she's, she might enjoy it, but it's not about her orientation. So in terms of men, as soon as men do it, they're stigmatized. They can't even have a gay thought or even look at porn, gay porn without being seen as, well, you're not 100% straight. So what makes a man gay, I'll go to your question, I'm sorry, is um, how he self-identifies himself. And what a gay man will say is, well, first of all, he'll have a lot of homophobia if he's not fully out. Tons of homophobia, tons of um, internalized homophobia, lots of gay shame from growing up, having a long history of crushes on boys, sexual fantasies about boys. Straight men don't have that. Gay men have sexual interest in other men and romantic interest and affectional interest and psychological interest and want a relational experience with another man. Straight men who have sex with men, they don't want all that. They're attracted to gay sex, not men. Mm, that is very, very interesting. And I know that a lot of women who will be listening to this I, I just already know the letters and I'm going to be getting about what you just said. I'd love to hear so them. With because... that said, yeah. <laughs> so with, with that said, um, when I was reading your book, you said that the most common reason or the number one reason that a man, a straight man will have gay thoughts or gay behaviors is trouble in the man's childhood involving a male sexual abuser or assault to the boy's masculinity. 
So can you elaborate a little bit about childhood abuse and homosexual behavioral imprinting? Yes. Um, in fact, when I say the number one reason, what I should have said, I hope I did in there, maybe I didn't. Number one reason that I see in my office, right? I don't know if it's the number one reason in the whole, you know, generalization. But um, okay. yeah, so I always say sexual abuse will disorient you. It will not orient you. In other words, sexual abuse can't make you gay, straight, or bi. It makes you confused, disoriented. And so we know as therapists, when somebody's traumatized or abused in childhood, they will return to the scene of the crime as an adult. And what they're doing is trying to right the wrong, fix the problem, but it never fixes it. You just recycle the problem. And so uh, a lot of the guys um, will then re-engage uh, in that kind of behavior, not understanding why they're doing it. And again, they're not attracted to men. They're not going to gay bars and getting off on all the hot guys. That's not what they're doing. They're focused on the gay sex. And usually it's the same sexual style that was done to them. They're doing with other men. Wow. Now you say assault to the voice masculinity. Can you expand that just a little bit? And also um, when you expand that, is there anything that women can do with male children to prevent assault on her son's masculinity? Oh yeah, let me answer that last one first because I just love that one. You know, we do so much to help little girls uh, uh, fend off unwanted male advances and the whole Me Too movement is doing an even better job and hopefully we're really gonna make these women and girls solid and, and for males to hear the no as well, right? But really what we should right. be teaching all kids is how to fend off all unwanted advances. And even when, I just read this and I loved it, that even when a kid says, I don't wanna hug grandma, I don't want to hug grandpa. No, no, please. We shouldn't force that kid. That's your grandfather. That's your grand. No. If the kid is saying no, trust their no, right? And so really right. teach boys and girls, but we need to, because if all we teach boys right now is don't go down the street to Mr. Pedophile. He'll be sexual with you. And that's exactly where gay and bisexual boys go once you tell them that to Mr. Pedophile, because they don't know abuse and they don't know trauma. They just know I'm horny and I want sex. Wow. Wow. So really, um, really teaching our boys and having that conversation with our, our sons, nephews, or, or whatnot about inappropriate touching it is, is yeah. the key. What about psychologically, like psychological damage to a boy's masculinity? Does that play a role? It plays a role, and what I was trying to say in the book is <clears throat> sometimes men have what we would call father hunger, masculinity hunger, where they they um, weren't they didn't have a strong connection with their father, they didn't have a strong connection with masculinity. They, you know, a lot of guys patriarchy talks about the privilege of men, but it's only the privilege of some men. Not all men make it into patriarchal privilege, right? Some of us are gay and bisexual, hey. some of us are feminine and soft and whatever that doesn't apply, right? So if you are marginalized right. out of all that, then you're longing for some communal, some community, some belonging. And weirdly enough, I know that women are going to have a hard time hearing this, but what men do, and I have an explanation for this, men will look to other men for sex because we're not allowed to touch. We're not allowed to bond unless it's through sports, violence, work. What's the other one? Oh, and, and, and sex. Sports, violence, work, and sex. These are the only places that we allow males to express their emotion. And so 
Do you follow me? I'm completely following you, 110%. All right, because I know, so let me start out with, we stop touching little boys sooner than we stop touching little girls. We, t we teach little boys stop touching each other, but we don't do that with girls. When I'm in the airports, I see women laying, sleeping on each other, brushing each other's hair. Men don't have those kinds of opportunities. And even in the bathrooms, when women go to the bathroom together, I have a trans male uh, friend who says when he was female, uh, at, there's all kinds of talking and uh, community in the women's room, but no body noises. In the men's room, it's all body noises and no talking. Like everybody's looking ahead and there's no, you know. So <laughs> men are hungry for touch. For, they're starving for some kind of connection. And I'm not saying, saying all men do this, but some men will engage in like I had, a, I had one straight guy who told me every once in a while I get on Craigslist when that was popular. And when my girlfriend goes out of town, I have a guy come over and we both masturbate and watch porn and have a beer. And um, it's like a bonding experience. And then he goes home. I don't even know his name. And he has no sexual interest in him. None. Wow. I'm completely mind blown right now. I know, but I'm not, I'm not wow. joking. Well, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my book <laughs> is the need for touch, is the need for touch, you know, I, and, and especially in American culture, I live here in Italy, where I do observe the fact that men touch more frequently than American men touch. I've even seen men arm in arm, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're gay here. It just, it's, there's just a culture of touching. Um, sometimes, it makes me feel uncomfortable when people are a little bit closer to me than I'm, I'm used to. And I have had to open up about that. Like, you know, just be open to being touched more frequently, having people in what I would consider my American personal space mm. and be okay with it. It doesn't mean that they're trying to be sexual. That's just the way that they are. So that's very, very interesting that you say that. Um, want to move into <clears throat> the eroticizing of childhood trauma. You said that it happens even if the early, early trouble is not sexual abuse. Um, can you elaborate on that? You said covert sexual abuse. That was very interesting to me. What does that mean? Yeah, so that we used to be more popular in the 80s and then it went away. People stopped talking about it. I don't know why, but now I, I still talk about it. Girls and boys, male, female, can, children can have this happen. So overt abuse we get. It's penetration. It's, uh, you know, rape. It's uh, digital stimulation, whatever it is that has physically occurred between you and this uh, older person. Um, covert right. are more subtle things. And women actually do this more than men. Uh, where they, uh, like mothers, will sexually abuse their child under the care of, I'm washing your penis, but she's doing it too long. She's kissing him with wet lips and pressing her breasts up against him, telling him to come into the bathroom. It's okay to go use the toilet while I'm in the tub and she's naked and she's, you know, being able to be seen and she's, she's seducing her child. She's not touched him. I've had, I've had men come in and say, many men say, my mother made me take my penis out and get an erection every year while I was a teenager to make sure it was growing properly. Mothers don't want to do that unless a mother is wanting to see her son's penis and, and is eroticizing it. So, uh, or, you know, it could be 
um, a grandfather, you go in for a hug, girl or boy, and you, he presses his erection against you. And you're walking away going, did I do that? Did he mean to do that? Did it, wasn't an erection? You know, you're like, you're made to feel crazy. Wow. Wow. I, I never, I, I never really thought about that because when we think of sexual abuse, I think in our minds, we automatically think of a male perpetrator with a female and we don't think about the boys that are being sexually abused and traumatized and how this is carrying um, forward into their relationship. Right. This, this deserves a lot of attention. Yeah, it really, really does. I'm so glad you found that in the book and are, are highlighting it. Yes, yes. I can't wait to share this with everyone um, once it's, it's live on the, the podcast. What, what are some other reasons that straight men will seek sex with men? So the number two reason I see in my office is anal sex. So a lot of men and straight men enjoy prostate orgasms. In other words, they enjoy receiving anal sex and being penetrated so that they can enjoy their prostate stimulated and they can have an orgasm. This is, um, a lot of women already know this and there's like an underground understanding that if I, I'm with my man and I, I move my finger closely to it or I, I put my finger in without him his permission that he'll, he might, might not like it at first, but he'll enjoy it afterwards. I've heard so many women talk about this and it's true. But we think in our culture that if you have anal sex, you're gay. So the guys come to a therapist and they're like, I am, they go out and they, and they would rather get, receive anal penetration from their wives. And there's something called pegging where a woman can wear a strap on harness and a, and a dildo, or she can insert it into her vagina and actually penetrate her husband or her boyfriend, um, you know, through wearing this device. And it can be very um, uh, erotic but the guy will either feel the disgust response from his girl or woman, or he'll worry that she'll have too much of one. Going to a guy is easy. You go to a, I had one guy, he went to, he answered a Craigslist ad at the time, and it was, my back door is open and my back door is open. So then in other words, right, his back door is open, they exchange addresses and then, right. and there were no words. And that's what the guy wants. He's not attracted to the man. He's attracted to receiving anal sex. Wow. When he comes to my uh, office and the therapist refers him to me, he's holding my books and he's like, Joe, if I'm gay, help me be gay. I've read every one of your stuff. He's quoting me. He's like, I don't get me to be gay. It's how I want, you know, I want to end this compulsivity. <laughs> I'm so right? And I said, I'm required by the state of law of the law and my certification to tell you that your anus doesn't have a sexual orientation. It doesn't know whether it's gay, straight or bi. It's an anus. And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the prostate orgasm would probably be the male equivalent of a G-spot orgasm. Totally. Yes. Okay. Okay. Which I always tell women, if you have not had a G-spot orgasm, you're really missing out on life. I just have to let you know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> while we're on the topic. <laughs> uh, and, you know, when we... When we speak of sexual fetishes and the fear that men have, I, I understand that men do have a lot of reservations when it comes to just expressing their regular, normal feelings. 
on, on an everyday basis, they're afraid of the rejection. They're afraid of the emotional responses they might get from the women in their lives. And I think that probably carries forth to any atypical sexual fetishes or behavior that they may have, even if it's something like a foot fetish or I know there's also what's called like small cock fetishes or um, there are a whole list of fetishes that are out there that people do feel ashamed to have. And so instead of going to their regular partner who they really do love and care about because they fear the rejection, they won't talk about it. They'll just go someplace where they feel they will be readily accepted and can release that or act upon that fetish. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I understand this. Most women that I speak to have problems with accepting that men watch straight porn. <laughs> and I actually, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a, what I will tell women a lot of times is that you need to kind of get over that hump because I think like 99% of most men watch porn, period. And if they say they don't, nine times ten, they're probably lying about it. So just accept that men watch porn. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact of how they feel about you. And, uh, you know, for me, the only reason way I would feel like it was a problem is they can't get sexually aroused unless they're watching porn or um, they can't have sex, you know, they couldn't have sex with you unless there was pornography or they're paying a lot of money on porn. Then that, I think that's when it becomes a problem. But men watch porn. And, and I know a lot of straight women who have problems have, have um, spoken to me in confidence, crying that, oh my God, I caught him watching porn. But I've also spoken to women who caught and found out that their husbands are watching gay porn or trans porn and are emotionally devastated. Uh, according to your research search, is watching gay porn a warning sign that their husband or boyfriend could be thinking about acting on their fantasies? Well, oh, that's a good question. You're saying it. I thought you were going a different direction. Um, it's no more a warning sign that he's going to go act on them than when we, when women are reading what we're now calling their cliterature. Cliterature is Twilight, Shades of Grey, fan fiction, or I think it's fan fandom where they're blogging and sexualizing movies and stories. We don't say, well, women are reading these things. Eventually, they're going to want a better lover. They're going to rush out of the house in the middle of the night and go. So, no, it, it, it really, there is no research that shows watching porn escalates you to go do it any more so than a woman reading her literature escalates her to go have an affair. Um, okay. Well, now, well, now what, what direction did you think I was going in, just out of curiosity? Um, I thought you were going to say, because uh, it was a good question, too, of will that be an indicator that he's gay? if he's watching gay porn. Right, I was actually thinking that too. So is that an indicator or no? So that's complicated, right? Because sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. We have research now that shows it was in this, I have the research, I don't have it in front of me, but I could send it to you, where they found that in the study, 20% of gay men, I'm sorry, 20% of straight men watch uh, gay porn. And they're just watch, and they enjoy the idea, imagining themselves giving a blowjob to a guy, but there's no guy. It's just a blowjob. 
you know, so in other words, they're watching this in porn or they're watching their wives giving them blowjobs. And some men want to know, what does that feel like? What does it feel like to be getting, giving one? What does it feel like to be receiving anal sex? 55% of the men in that same study watch gay men watch straight porn. So we, we and here's the, the, the backwards of this. We would never look at a straight guy, a gay guy watching straight porn and say, oh my God, are you really straight? Like what's going on here? You know, are you <laughs> must be straight. We never do that. But when the guy does it without a guy, we're all over it. Right, right. And and are there conversations, I kind of want to shift the conversation just a little bit. During the dating process, are there conversations that couples should be having uh, when they're considering marriage? Uh, you know, just being very upfront about sex, sexual kinks. What are those conversations that dating couples should be having uh, about their sexual preferences? I love these questions. I love every one of them are good questions. So, uh, I, you know, I always say they should be more like gay male couples. When gay male couples meet from the minute, even before you meet each other, it's in the ad. I'm into this. I'm into that. I'm a top. I'm a bottom. This is my kink. And I like to go on long walks and be on beaches and go on vacations. And it sort of like starts with a sexually literate, this is who I am. And I'm not saying straight couples have to exactly be that way because a lot of women find that crass. I get it. But it would be nice right. to have conversations about here's what I look at. I do look at porn and here's what kind of porn I look at. And to do it in a way that people can have what's now being called erotic empathy. Couples don't have erotic empathy. And this is Amanda Luderman's work. Uh, she's writing this book called Erotic Empathy. You should totally get her on the show. She's awesome. Um, but she says, you know, we might have a disgust response. It might not be good for me, but maybe my partner gets off on that. And can I be empathic for that, for them, for being into this? So right. I think what your question answers is just talking about it. Just what, what do you think of kink? What kind of kink? What are you into? What are you not into? And then you make a vision list together of what you like together and the things you don't like together you talk about. Right. I, I think it's extremely important, especially if you're planning on having a traditional monogamous relationship and this is the person that you plan on having sex with for the next however many years, you definitely <laughs> want to make sure you all are on the same page. Can you explain what the beach test is? Because I found myself kind of laughing about it as I was reading it. I was like, <laughs> maybe we should just all do the beach test. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, it's just the idea that when you're on the beach, what are you distracted by before you even know you're distracted by it, right? So, um, you know, for me as a gay guy, uh, when I'm on the beach, no offense, the women are in my way. I'm looking at the men, I'm looking at her husband, I'm looking at her adult sons, I'm not looking at her, right? So for straight men, when they're on the beach, and the, these are even the men who have sex with men, they're not looking at the guy, they don't even, the guy's in the way. It's the woman they're looking at. They might notice the guy as I do, oh, he's got great abs, oh, I'd love to have a chest like that, but that's it. It's The beach test is really another, it's like another tool to go, what, am, what grabs my attention that I get horny around before I even know it? Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Is that like a test that that can be included? Like, okay, let's go to the beach and see what you like. No, I think it's a, a thoughtful thing, although maybe it can turn into that. I don't know. It could. Well, I think that a lot of women who follow me really would not want to be with 
a man who acted out his gay sexual fantasies as a straight woman. I think that that would feel, they would definitely have that disgust response and it would just feel very uncomfortable for them. What do you say for the straight women who genuinely feel hurt, betrayed, and and devastated when they find out that the man that they thought was 100% straight is not? And how can they get past that pain? Well, I, I do look at it as, as a, look at it as a two-person crisis but her crisis has to go first. In other words, he doesn't have permission to tell her because when men say to a woman, I have gay fantasies, she's out, right? And that's what all the research shows. So bisexual men won't even tell women because they don't want to lose her. They love her and they know that she's her choice. But once she learns this, she thinks he's eventually going to leave her and come out as a gay man. So what I say, I say first to the gay guy, I'm sorry, to the, to the straight guy who's having sex with other men, Let's both find our way to empathize with the, her for this infidelity feeling. Even if he's not acted on it, women have an infidelity response. Because it is like a, a Hitchcock movie. You think you're going this way, and then suddenly something else is introduced that you never talked about. But she has to remember, he never talked about it because of the stigma. She may have never asked about it. It wasn't on the table because it wasn't something either of them ever expected. So really, it's just about um, helping her and then helping her calm down that it doesn't have to necessarily be gay. That's what my whole book is all about. And the way to figure that out is to understand why he's engaging in thoughts about men, in sex with men, and right. the why can help her have empathy. Right, right. I think that is very important before you make any kind of decision one way or the other to lead is to decide why. And then once you understand why, if there was something that could be done about it, and if not, then you can make the choice that you need to make for your life. Let, let's just say you have that woman who finds out that, you know, my, my husband is having gay sexual um, fantasies or gay behavior because of childhood trauma, some underlying sexual abuse, but he is a good husband. He's a good father. He's a good provider and support system. How can she support him if he's willing to get help and do the hard work? So that's great. I would, um, that's a great question too. So, I mean, that's good that he's willing to get the help and he should. I mean, if he wasn't, I would, I would tell her to really re-examine whether she wants to stay married to a guy who's doing this and not willing to, to help himself. But if he's willing, then it's really about her being patient and uh, I sometimes they'll stop having sex with their partner because it, they feel disgusted and they feel like until, you know, there's been this rupture and I understand that. But I, I really try to encourage couples, don't wait too long. You wait too long, it's really hard to come back to that sexual connection. To try to be, have some even minimal sexual connection for a time period so that you don't lose that while he's going through his work. Well, I know some women feel like that even if their husband has, has had a sexual relationship with another woman. They just feel like disgusted, like don't even touch me. I don't want you to touch me. I, I think the hard part though is how many men actually go to counseling? I think it, it's hard to get men to just go to counseling, period. And then to actually get, to get a man to go to counseling to address something as serious as childhood trauma and their sexual behavior. I mean, are there... Is, is there any way that, or anything that can be said to kind of push him in that direction or? 
it's hard, right? Because what we do with little boys, like we said, we hollow them out and make them turn their backs on vulnerability. And um, then they go to therapy. Why would they go to therapy? They're hollowed. You know, they don't have access to their inner life and they don't want to be vulnerable in that way. And sexual abuse, uh, addressing that is very, very um, hard. So I think, I mean, I, this is at the top of my head, but there's several ways what women could take, which is I'm going to leave you. If you don't do this work, because I would hope you you would say to a partner, if you're not willing to take care of yourself physically, mentally, or otherwise, psychologically, I can't be in relationship with somebody who's I'm dragging around. I, you need to do your part. Um, and then I would relate every, almost every conflict we have to this is why this is happening and get her own therapy, for sure get her own therapy and find her own tools on how to not enable him so that she can detach from him because so many women are enablers, right? They want to help and they want to, but it doesn't help. It, it, it can make, right. give me reasons not to go. Well, I, I really appreciate everything that you have said thus far in the conversation. It does definitely, I think, broaden my own perspective because I came in very, very close-minded and it, it was kind of funny because I was talking to a friend about the interview. I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I can do this interview because I just, I, I, I think this man is crazy. <laughs> what, is he talking about? what is he talking about? But you know, I, speaking to you has really helped me to understand you know, the, the, net, the need for open and honest conversation about sexual psychology because I think we have so many things working against having those type of conversations. A lot of it's due to religion, um, the way that we're, you know, brought up, the households, and like you said, the way that boys are taught to behave and repress emotions. It, it all plays a factor in this. And before we close, is there any any other um, advice or anything else that you would like to tell women regarding this topic, especially like bisexuality. We didn't even touch on that. Hmm. What, what is bisexuality? I'm so glad you raised this because people accuse me of being a bi-erasure by my work, which is that I'm saying straight men are having sex with men. Bisexuals will often say, no, 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 these guys are bisexual. A bisexual guy is interested in men and women in a generalized way. So in other words, he might be sexually and romantically attracted to women and only sexual to men. He might be sexually and romantically attracted to a man and only romantically to a woman. It's different configurations, but it's generalized. With a sexually fluid guy, a straight guy who's, who has interest in other guys, it's not generalized, it's episodic, it's random, it's a certain guy in a certain place, a certain sex act, it isn't like, Gay and bisexual men are on beaches looking at the guys. The straight guys having sex with men aren't looking at the guy. It's, bisexual is a real orientation, and it's an orientation to both men and women, where straight men are only oriented to women and erotically interested in gay sex. Well, Dr. Court, I really want to thank you for broadening our perspective on sexuality and this topic. And I really do hope that this conversation that we're having helps a lot of women because, um, as I've said before, I have women who reach out to me at least once a week thinking that their husband is gay and they really don't know what to do. And I really think that this can be the, the, the door, that first step 
that women can take to kind of start researching what's going on and how they can work things out in their own minds and if their marriage can survive or not. Um, I want you to just let us know. Can you please let the listeners know where they can find your book and reach out to you for help after this conversation? Yes. Thank you so much. So they can go to my website. First of all, joecourt.com. And uh, then on there, you'll see all my books and things you can buy. You can always go to amazon.com. That's really easy to find it. And, um, you know, then I have lots of stuff on, I have a website for this exact thing. It's free. It's called straight guys and guys is spelled G U I S E straightguys.com for women and for men to understand why do straight men have sex with men. Okay. Thank you so much for, for providing that information. And again, I want to thank you so much for being so generous with your time and talking to me. Uh, I'm really, really grateful that you, you know, you answered my request for an interview. And I know this is going to help a lot of people. I also want to take the time to thank you for everyone who is listening or will be listening to this podcast. I really appreciate you. Be sure to follow the Loving You Lifestyle on Instagram. And you can always find me on Facebook, Candace Smith Adewale. That's A-D-E-W-O-L-E. You all have a very, very wonderful day and stay blissfully feminine.